Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Josh here, and I just have to give a shout-out real quick to Matt Gay, kicker of the Los Angeles Rams, for coming over after yesterday's game, signing jerseys, signing hats. Now I have some signed Rams memorabilia. What a win that was. I cannot wait to get into that as I was there at State Farm Stadium cheering for the Rams, Rams house, as it was an electrifying Rams. The vintage Rams of a few months ago came out to play. I will be getting into that and a lot of other Week 14 matchups, how the playoff picture is shaping up. I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NFL right now. Then I'll move on to the NBA as we close on. And Steph Curry probably will be breaking the three-point record tonight at Madison Square Garden. I'll give my top five teams in the NBA as well. And my top five college basketball teams to finish off this show. Let's get into it. Week 14, I'm going to start with the game that happened last night. Monday Night Football, the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, last week, I picked the Rams to win this game. And it got sketchy before the game started that the Rams got hit with COVID. Starting right tackle, Havenstein out. Their tight end, Tyler Higby out, who's their third uh, leader in yards this season. And then their star defensive player, best cornerback in the league, Jalen Ramsey, also out due to COVID. So they got hit hard with COVID. Now I'm starting to worry about my pick. But then I get to think, the Rams can play loose tonight. I picked the Rams to win, but I watched a lot of people in the media, a lot of people, just a general consensus, just even around fans in the NFL thought that the Los or that the Los Angeles Rams would lose this game and the Arizona Cardinals would win this game. It's a home game. The Rams have been beat with COVID. Arizona can strike now, basically win the division, put the argument to rest, have that number one seed in full effect. I mean, so many things are going right for the Cardinals. All they have to do is go out there and win the game. But I thought to myself, where have I seen this play out before? Oh, I've actually been to another game similar like this earlier in the year where the Green Bay Packers on the road in this same stadium, another primetime game Thursday night. Against the Cardinals, injury bug. No Devontae Adams. Uh, Lazard. No Marquez Aldez-Scantley. The team, ravaged by COVID, that team as well, came into this stadium. But when I was at last night and won the game, pulled off the upset without some of their star players. Wow. I couldn't believe it. But I was there rooting for the Packers, and I thought maybe, just maybe the Rams can come here and do the same thing. And that's exactly what I saw. I saw the Rams play loose. Um, Matthew Stafford, tremendous game. 
This was the vintage Matthew Stafford I saw beginning of the year that was that front-runner MVP candidate earlier in the year. Avenged his primetime woes of the past couple times, and he was magnificent. 287 yards, a quarterback rating of 86.3. That's on the scale of 1 to 100, 86.3 finished as the second highest graded quarterback of the week. First was Russell Wilson, and he played the Houston Texans. And here comes Matthew Stafford, 23 of 30, 287 yards, and three touchdowns to zero interceptions against the Cardinals. And the thing that also got this team to work is the Rams ran the ball. Did they ran it effectively, efficiently, long gains? No, Sony Michelle, 20 carries, 79 yards. That's a four yards uh, average. Again, Daryl Henderson out with COVID. But Sony Michelle, I didn't think he was great last night, but he did enough to where you had to respect the run. And when you expect of a run, that's when this offense opens up. Matthew Stafford was able to open up with play action, the bootlegs, the misdirection that he does. He's looking one way, eyes down the field. Then last second, he switches it, throws it off to Cooper Cup. And I thought that connection would have to be great for the Rams to win. And it was great. Cooper Cup proved why just this year, he is the best wide receiver in the NFL 15 targets, 13 receptions, 123 yards, a touchdown. It was a tremendous touchdown as well where only the receiver uh, could catch. It was a great throw by Stafford. They were on a connection all night because Cooper Cup can do it all. He can work the slot. He can work the screen game. He can work the Z route, go deep as well. Cooper Cup is that guy. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup is that connection. Now with that, OBJ has the pressure off of him. He was able to have six receptions, 77 yards, a touchdown. He was able to work it. And then their legitimate deep threat who breaks the game wide open, Van Jefferson had his 52-yard touchdown reception that opened it up. It was brilliant. This was the offensive performance. Sean McVay played great, great coaching, great Rams game last night. Now, this wasn't all bad Cardinals. The Cardinals did do some good. But what I saw was they abandoned the running game early. James Conner had a few good runs. He had, you know, the 13-yard gain. Uh, he also had the wildcat formation where he took it nine yards and just bulldozed through everybody, uh, you know, juke through Aaron Donald. He had good runs. But they only ran the ball 13 times. 13 times. Kyler Murray had uh, seven scrambles as well. But they threw the ball 49 times. And I don't know why. Because the blueprint we've seen is the running game. The Rams, or the Rams against the Niners. It was the Niners who just ran the ball continuously there against the Rams. The Packers did something similar. Of course, they have Aaron Rodgers, and Kyler Murray isn't Aaron Rodgers. But they had it, and they abandoned the running game, throwing it 49 times, thinking, no, Jalen, now's the time uh, to do it out. But Jordan Fuller, great safety. Rapp, a great safety. I think David Long Jr. is a solid cornerback, as long as, along with Darius Williams. So I don't get why they threw it 49 times. 
and he had two interceptions. One was an Aaron, Aaron Donald tip uh, that was intercepted down there for red zone at the four-yard line. And one was just inexplicable where he had some room to run as well or throw it out of bounds. And it's like he lost the linebacker there. Uh, Floyd had the interception, tipped it to himself, and that was in their own territory. So Rams are set up with great field position. They score. And Kyler Murray cannot have those two interceptions, a quarterback rating of 36. He had some brilliant plays, but those two interceptions outweigh any good plays that he made last night. Those you cannot do uh, in the game, in a game of this magnitude as well. But the game plan was affected because of the greatest defensive player in the NFL right now. That is Aaron Donald. He had his hands all over the blueprint in this game. Three sacks, three tackles for loss, the pass deflected that led to an interception, uh, five tackles, quarterback pressures and hits all night. Aaron Donald was a game wrecker, a game changer. He needed to step up, and he did just that. Yes, he had the missed tackle against uh, uh, James Conner down there in the red zone, let him slip through his fingers. But other than that, Aaron Donald wrecked this game. He was after Kyler Murray constantly, and the offensive line did not hold up. Uh, Another thing I noticed, too, not getting DeAndre Hopkins involved when you know there's no Jalen Ramsey. A.J. Green, seven receptions, 102 yards. He had a good game. But DeAndre Hopkins, you know, was quiet, 12 targets. But a lot of those uh, were overthrows, underthrows. Uh, I'm always of the mindset, if you've got a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins out there, you need to throw it up to him so that he can catch it over receiver. A lot of the throws last night were low in putting it in a position where the cornerback can make the play on it. And that's not what you wanted. It was, you know, a combination of great Rams and sloppy, inconsistent Cardinals. That's what I've seen this year. And we talk about the Cardinals are now 3-3 at home, and they're 7-0 on the road. And what I've noticed on the road and at home is this. uh, A lot of people talk about the turnovers, but it's also the start to the game. Away, the Cardinals start fast. Uh, They look to put the game away by halftime, whereas at home, it does not have that feel. They start slow, they start sloppy, they put themselves in a hole as well, and they don't do that on the road. The Cardinals have to play better. Maybe it's good that they lost this game and they dropped from the one seed to the three seed. Maybe they need to go on the road like the Bucks did last year. But this game was one by Sean McVay putting his players in position to win. Great games all around by Matt Stafford, uh, Sony Michelle, Cooper Cup, uh, and Aaron Donald. And also, again, the other shout-out to Matt Gay. Made his field goals as well. Tremendous 3-for-3 uh, three three on the night, the long of 55 as well. Actually, great game by both field goal kickers. Matt Prater, 3-for-3, three three, long of 53. I just have to say this as well, is there's a couple crucial uh, fourth downs that the Cardinals went on fourth and two. They did not convert either. 
of them. Uh, and if you kick those two field goals, it could be 30 to 29. And then you got the onside kick, which congratulations to the Cardinals for getting that onside kick because uh, how difficult that is. But the Rams totally botched the recovery on that, which led to the Cardinals getting that. But even if you just go for one of the field goals, knowing it's 30 uh, to 23, uh, I mean, then you can go in for a touchdown and you have more time on the clock. So a lot of, you know, Cliff wasn't his best coaching performance. And then at the end there, uh, they got the onside kick. Another questionable coaching call uh, by Cliff or if that's all on Kyler or the offensive line. But to me, you should spike the ball. There's five seconds left. You spike it, and then you try for the Hail Mary or Hail Mary. Uh, your guys aren't lined up. James Conner's hurt, so I don't even know why he's there. So it was just a disaster after the onside kick. Uh, but again, a shout-out to the Rams uh, and their win last night. And again, Matt Gay for signing some shirts and hats after the game. Uh, great performance by the Rams because of this. Opens up a playoff picture as they are now one game out of the NFC West. And I know that their schedule is tough as well. But they can definitely win a few of their games. And the Cardinals still got the Colts and Cowboys on their schedule. So this division race is not over yet. The Rams would win the division if it was tied due to the fact, if the Cardinals lose one more, that the Rams would have the tiebreaker over the conference, your record in the conference. So that is one thing to look out for if the Cardinals were to lose one more game uh, that for the rest of this way. Now, moving on to other games. Chicago and Green Bay. That was a Sunday night game. And early, it was a great game. The first half was great. You had the celebration right away by Robert Quinn on uh, quarterback Aaron Rodgers did the uh, championship belt, celebration belt, discount double check on him. And I thought, oh no. This is going to be a long day now for the Bears defense. And then the first half, it was fine. It was sloppy play on really both sides. You had a Justin Fields pick six. You had a 97-yard punt return for a touchdown by the Chicago Bears. So all that crazy action. It's 27-21 Chicago at halftime. And if you're the Bears, you've got to think, this is a good position to be in. After the pick six, you know, we're able to have this. We're in a good spot. But then, as we've seen too many times, the third quarter opens up and Green Bay gets on a roll and Chicago can't do anything to stop it. Their defense was nowhere to be found as Aaron Rodgers, uh, they scored 17 points in the third quarter. Bernal lead 38-27. Then it's 45-27, they win 45-30. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Still showing that he owns the Bears. Now, the Green Bay has to tighten up on special teams. I thought their defense also has to play a touch better against the Bears. 
I mean, they still have some meat left on that schedule. The Ravens, the Browns, the Vikings. Doesn't get easy, but they now hold the one spot in the NFC, which is huge uh, for them. But I think that's only in the minds of uh, Aaron Rodgers because it showed last year they had the number one seed. And guess what? It didn't prove to be uh, the deciding factor as the Buccaneers came into Lambeau and beat them. But Matt Nagy needs to go. Chicago's eliminated, at least to me, from a playoffs. I know there's not an official E next to their name, uh, but to me it's there in pencil. You can pretty much write it in pen as, to me, their season is over. Bye-bye, Chicago. Bye-bye, Justin Fields. This year, Green Bay moves to 10-3 and and looks like one of the best teams in the NFL. Then you also had Tampa Bay and Buffalo. Tom Brady posting, you know, the most winning record by a quarterback against one team. That is Tampa Bay going up against Buffalo. That's Tom Brady against Buffalo. And that is Tom Brady's record of 32-3 and against Buffalo entering yesterday or Sunday. And Buffalo coming off that excruciating loss to the Bills. I mean, my bad, to the Patriots. And here they are, finding themselves in Tampa Bay. I thought Tampa Bay would win this game. And they came out, out of the gates, storming 24-3 to at halftime. 24-3. to I mean, after their initial punt, great drive down there by Leonard Fournette getting... Uh, Points on every drive. They had the streak of the touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, and then the punt, you know, right before the half after Richard Sherman picked off Josh Allen. They could have got more points and they didn't. But that was a great first half by Tampa Bay. Couldn't get any better than that. The first half was brilliant. Contained Josh Allen. Didn't have a run. By a running back in the first half. I mean, that was as good as it gets. As good as it gets. And then what happened in the second half? The total opposite. The total opposite of the first half happened. And that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going for it on a fourth and two. On Buffalo's 34, when they could kick a 50-yarder to put it up 27-3, to I thought, that's a little crazy. After Buffalo goes for it, then you go for it. I don't like that call up by 21 points to go for it. And what does that lead to? That leads to a Buffalo touchdown. So now you're going into the fourth quarter, and now you're only up by two scores. Because after that, you've had a punt. They punt again. Now you're up 27-10. to 10. Can the defense hold? And no, they can't. Because after running that 11-play drive of six minutes, you can't engineer another two-minute drive the rest of the game, actually. After that, Buffalo scores a touchdown in five plays. Then you punt again, three and out. Then they get a touchdown right after that. Uh, the Buffalo Bills again. Now they're up by three. And you know what this game's starting to remind me of? Last year's 
Game very similar to this, same time of the season, in Tampa Bay. However, the opponent for Tampa Bay is the Chiefs, and the role is reversed because the Chiefs, I think, were up like 24-3 at half on the Bills, and that was, you know, Tyreek's 200-yard game, uh, crazy and everything uh, like that. And then the second half, the Bucks figure it out. It's close, and they lose, I think, 27-24. Tom Brady never gets the ball back. This game felt eerily similar. Of course, it's still being called by Jim Nance and Tony Romo. So it's 27-24, I think. Can the Bucks hold on to the ball, you know, the final four or five minutes, not give Josh Allen the ball back, or can they at least drive down there and get some points? Well, they can't. They give it back to Buffalo, and then their defense concedes a field goal. So we're headed into overtime at 27-27. And the Bills get the ball first, so I'm thinking... The Bills have all the momentum right now. It could be over for them. However, the defense finally shows up and forces a three and out. Then what is what is uh, Tampa Bay going to do? Well, Tom Brady, Brashad Perryman, 58-yard touchdown, and the rest is history. Tampa Bay, 33-27. The tale of two halves. And the Bills cannot quite complete the comeback win. And it felt all too inevitable by Tom Brady, who was like the Thanos to the Buffalo Bills, improved his record to 33-3 to over Buffalo, pushes him to 7-6, and six, two games out of the AFC East. And there Tampa Bay is now sitting at the two spot in the NFC and is playing as great as anybody. 488 yards. Tom Brady on his MVP mission. Had the third best quarterback rating of the week at 75. 363 yards. Two touchdowns. Simply brilliant. Brilliant. Now, Leonard Fournette was great. 19 carries, 113 yards. Leonard Fournette... This looks like the Leonard Fournette of a few years ago on Jacksonville. He is playing great. The offensive line is creating holes. The Bills' defense played a little better. But in the second half, I'm just going to say everything fell apart. The offense fell apart. The defense fell apart. Everything fell apart for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they still won that game. They won it because they have the GOAT on their team. And the Bills don't have a goat. They're a Bill. No goats over there for them. Tampa Bay, huge win this week. That was a pivotal test for them. One of the big last games of their season. Now they're at the two seed. The schedule gets a little easier. They play the Saints Sunday night now. I'm not going to write off the Saints at all, even with, you know, no, uh, what's his name? Jameis Winston, because you got Kamara back now, and I've seen Jameis Winston get injured the pass game against the Bucks, and they still win that game with Trevor Simeon. I know this game's in Tampa, but Taysom Hill has looked decent. You got Kamara. Sean Payton hasn't lost to a regular season to Tom Brady this year, or last year yet. So I do not think that game's 
going to be that easy for Tampa Bay. An 11-point favorite for them might be too much. I still think the Saints pose a tough test to the Bucks. Then it gets easier from there. I'm not writing off the Saints quite yet. San Francisco and Cincinnati. What a game. This one, another overtime game at that slot as well. Brain and Ayuk game-winning touchdown was brilliant. Jimmy Garoppolo not turning the football over. But Joe Burrow, another quarterback I did not want to see turn the football over. He also didn't do that as well. He played great as well, led the great uh, comeback drive at the end to tie the game with Jamar Chase. Those two were electric in the fourth quarter, down 20-6. to They tie it up. They get the field goal in the first possession in overtime. But that allows for San Francisco to drive and get that. That was great. What else is great? George Kittle looking like the best tight end with, in football. With the Chiefs offense not being great. Travis Kelsey not being involved somehow. George Kittle is back looking like the guy he is. 15 targets. 13 receptions. 151 yards and a touchdown. George Kittle. Another person that had his fingerprint all over this game. Debo Samuel, kind of the multi-purpose guy that he can be. You know, eight carries, 37 yards rushing, and a touchdown, and only one reception with Elijah Mitchell out. He's kind of being used more as the feature back. He's all over his field as well. The San Francisco 49ers are a team to watch. They still have some games remaining, the Titans, the Rams, Interesting finish there to see how all this seeding plays out. Cincinnati loses another one. That is now two in a row. They get the Broncos. Now how will they rebound uh, now sitting out of the playoffs at the ninth spot? Giants and Chargers. No Daniel Jones. No competition. Justin Herbert, 37 uh To 21, the Chargers won. Justin Herbert was terrific. 275 yards, three touchdowns, just a few of them. Like a 64-yard bomb uh, to Guyton there before halftime. That throw was brilliant. The arm power, the precision, the accuracy on that throw was great. I mean, Justin Herbert, simply unbelievable. Again, it's the Giants. I'm not going to... Sit here and praise their defense one bit or any part of this Giants team at all. But the Chargers went in there, handled business. Justin Herbert was great, even with no Keenan Allen. Distributed the ball to a lot of receivers as well. Austin Eckler had a great game. So the Chargers stay afloat there and now set up a pivotal game this Thursday night for first place. In AFC West, Chiefs, Chargers, what a game that will be. The Chargers have beat Kansas City earlier in Kansas City. Can they do it again? Can the Chargers beat the Chiefs again? Chiefs are on a winning streak of their own. Six in a row. What can they do? What a great game that will be. That will be the show. This is the Chiefs division still. Or are the Chargers the legitimate threat coming out of the AFC West? Detroit and Denver. 
Detroit, the roster shortage. I mean, everybody out for them. Uh, players with COVID, the flu, coaches, all over for them. And they got decimated 38-10. to 10. It was bad. But now they hold a 1-11-1 record. How beautiful is that all ones in that record that you have? And the Detroit has now been officially eliminated from playoff contention. They are the only team in the NFC to officially be eliminated. Congratulations to them for officially being eliminated. You have now joined the likes of the New York Jets, Houston Texans, and Jacksonville Jaguars. Seattle and Houston. This game was a lot closer in the first half than what the final score indicate. Halftime, it's 16-13. to Houston. Houston was up 7-0. It was 10-10. It's, you know, 16-13. Seattle at halftime. I'm thinking, what what's going on here? Is it the defense for Seattle rearing its ugly head back? Uh, what's going on? And the offense lights up. And it hasn't been like last year. Last year was the connection to Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf. It was special last year. I'm not seeing that this year. It's been the Tyler Lockett-Russell Wilson connection this year, especially since Russell Wilson has come back. That has been his go-to receiver is Tyler Lockett. Five receptions, 142 yards, had nine targets as well. Russell Wilson has been getting it out to Tyler Lockett. Rashad Penny had his best game as a Seahawks. It's been five years in the making. Thank you. 16 carries, 137 yards. They are still technically alive. The Seahawks are. But the road is tough. You've got the Rams. And you got some easy games. Bears and Lions. But then you finish off against the Cardinals. So this is a pivotal game here against the Rams. You're technically still alive. However, you lose that game to the Rams. You are out of it. And the Seahawks have had a tough time with the Rams. Or should I say Pete Carroll has had a tough time with Sean McVay. With this duration that Sean McVay has been there. So we'll see how that game goes next week. But the Seahawks... Still alive, technically speaking. Carolina and Atlanta. One of the games I picked wrong. I thought Carolina could do it. But nope. They cannot. Ever since that win against the Cardinals. They have fallen off. They are now 5-8. and eight. A team that started 3-0. and oh And everybody was like, they could really make the playoffs. And I thought, I don't think so. Maybe, but I don't think so. Here we are sitting at 5-8. and eight. Losing to the Falcons, I mean, now the Falcons are technically still in it, but the Panthers, to me, are also out of it. And I look at their schedule, the Bills, the Bucks, the Saints, the Bucks, they'll probably not win another game. That win against the Cardinals could be their highlight of the season when Cam came back. But again, both these teams aren't of any concern to me in the NFC playoff picture. The Atlanta Falcons or the Panthers. Even if the Falcons somehow miraculously get in, I don't see them doing any damage. Dallas and Washington. A lot of people thinking Washington could pull off the upset. 
Mike McCarthy guaranteeing a win, which would give in Dallas up early, big, in control, 27-8 to in the fourth quarter. 27-8, to and I'm thinking this game is over. We're in the fourth quarter, and, you know, there's only like six minutes left to play. It's 27-8. Ian, the commentators are preparing for it. Uh, but Washington drives down the field, gets a touchdown. No Taylor Heineke. Kyle Allen does it. And I'm thinking, oh, can it be? Can they do something? I'm like, no, we don't have too much time. Dak Prescott then ensuing drive. Throws a pick six. A pick six to Cole Homecomb. Doesn't even see the defender there. He takes it to the house. And they do that then. You know, they punt again. Uh, Dallas does. And Washington fumbles and loses the game. They lose 27-20. to 20. But this game proved to me another team. How bad Dallas is. They punted a lot that game. I mean... Early in that game, they had the fumble for a touchdown Dallas did. But the offense punted a lot. In the first half, it was one time. But in the second half, it was, let me check, one, two, three, four, five times. Five punts in the second half. Uh, Three of those were three and outs. I mean, this offense is regressing. Dallas is regressing. And it's crazy But it's kind of like the Chiefs, I feel, this year. That the offense has regressed, and now it's the defense that's carrying the bulk of the load. It's Micah Parsons, in defensive player of the year candidate now. He is the man for this team. Uh, He is the heartbeat of the defense. I don't know what's going on with Dak Prescott. I don't know if I want to know what's going on with Dak Prescott. But I know... If they want to win playoff games, he's going to have to play better. This team's going to have to play better. It was sloppy on offense for Dallas. The majority of this game, they cannot be winning games like that on defense. Uh, 201 passing yards. Uh, I think technically uh, Dak was right there at 211. A quarterback rating of 9. Of 9. On a scale of 1 to 100, and you're a 9, that's abysmal. That is abysmal. Dak Prescott was terrible. Uh, flat out bad. I mean, I can't give him any remarks this da- other than the Dallas defense. But Dallas has to play a lot better. To me, the division's all but guaranteed. They now play the Giants. Mike Lennon's going to play. They get the football team again. Only meaningful game left is the Cardinals. They'll probably lose that game and they'll finish. 12-5 and five is what the Cowboys will finish. Uh, solidified right there is the four seed. Uh, but teams are a lot better than them. New Orleans and the Jets. Again, Alvin Kamara back. Made a statement. 27 carries, 120 yards and a touchdown. Congratulations to New Orleans. Not a difficult game for them. Las Vegas and Kansas City. Las Vegas, can they do it? They just got decimated by the Chiefs two weeks ago. And oh, it was the same story. Two weeks ago, it was 41 to 14. It got somehow worse this time. 48 to 9 by the Raiders. Mahomes 
efficient, 20 of 24, 258 yards, two touchdowns. Wasn't his uh, best game he ever played, a quarterback rating of 69. Uh, he took three sacks, but the defense, again, came up huge for this team early. It was the 23-yard uh, fumble return for a touchdown that opened up the scoring for them. That kind of set the tone of the game that the defense was going to be physical again. And they were, and that has been now the shift in Kansas City, is the defense. But come playoff time, when they're facing you know, teams like the Colts and the Patriots and teams like that, you know, can they still win with the defense and with the offense being shaky? That's the question mark. Tennessee and Jacksonville, a lot of turmoil surrounding Jacksonville. Because of that, Tennessee shut out Jacksonville 20-0 to to create more turmoil and havoc around the Jacksonville Jaguar organization. And then other than that, you had Baltimore and Cleveland. Lamar Jackson exiting the game early because of an ankle injury actually got carted out. And because of that, it was just an onslaught from the Browns right after that. Uh, the fumble return by Miles Garrett as well. He did everything. The sack, the return, did it all. And you're up 24-6 to at halftime, and you think this game's over. It's 24-9 to in the fourth quarter. And then the game gets close somehow. The final score is 24-22. to A failed two-point conversion is what it was. Uh, or else it would have been tied. A failed two-point conversion last week. A failed two-point conversion this week. Wow, the two-point conversions, I guess you need to practice a little bit more. But the Browns had a great first half. And they just stopped in the second half. The foot was off the gas. Baker Mayfield, again, proves to be not that guy. Inconsistent there. An interception. I mean, he wasn't great. Uh, Tyler Huntley. I thought second half, he actually picked up, got with the flow of the game, played better, 27 of 38, 270 yards, you know, didn't throw an interception uh, there, but the key was those fumbles that he had, the one that was returned for a touchdown, those were the keys, but as a passer, I thought he was a lot better than where I've seen him come in for relief from Lamar in the past. So a lot of action happened there. Again, this was the last week of bye weeks. No Indianapolis, Miami, New England, or Philadelphia in action. So now I'm going to sit here, and after 14 weeks so far this season, I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NFL. Number five, the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, the Rams. Why? Well, they just had a big game last week, or my bad, last night against the Cardinals. Big win, kind of shifted it back into perspective how good they are. Offensively, they are good as well. A number three team in terms of yards uh, per game, uh, or passing yards per game. Matthew Stafford, you know, has been great this year, uh, other than that three-game stretch. This was a big game for him, big game for this defense where they were shorthanded, and they still, they still won uh, that game 
that he is. They're a top 10 team in terms of offense, uh, yards-wise, scoring. They are top five, actually tied with the Cardinals there at four. I mean, the Los Angeles Rams are a good team offensively. Defensively, Aaron Donald reared his head again and showed just how disruptive he can be. And it just shows, too, how much better they are, you know, against the pass uh, than they are, you know, against the rush. But yesterday, great performance by the Rams. And I look at, you know, them and how they stack up. And I look at their schedule and it's been, you know, a middle of the pack schedule. Here they are winning games against a big team like the Cardinals. And they're in a prime position to make a playoff run. Number four, the New England Patriots. Just because they had a bye doesn't mean I'm going to knock them down. I'll keep them there at four because they go into the bye and they are still the number one seed. Having a bye does not change the fact that they are on a seven-game winning streak, which happens to be the longest winning streak in the NFL. It also doesn't change the fact that they're a plus 150 point differential as well. Tops in the NFL. It also doesn't change the fact uh, that defensively, they are one of the best teams. Uh, Points per game, number one, the best scoring defense. Yards per game, number three. I mean, this defense is really, really good. I think they're only going to get more better, more complete as this season ends. And if you have to go through Foxborough, it makes it more tough. New England sits there at number four. Number three, finally, they get where they are belong and are at. That is the Arizona Cardinals are sitting at number three. Why? Well, they drop a couple spots because of that loss. Uh, Kyler Murray has played like the MVP for a lot of this season. However, he's also hurt this team in those three, and all my bad, in the two losses. He didn't play in one, but the two losses he's had, uh, he's looked bad uh, as well. The offense is right there at number 10 in terms of uh, yards. You know, they put up points. Their defense is efficient. It's a top five defense in terms of Yards allowed per game, uh, top five in points as well in scoring. So this defense has been really good. It's been solid. They've been able uh, to weather the loss of J.J. Watt. To me, it's hurt this defense a little bit because they could really be up there challenging the Patriots. But the loss of J.J. Watt has hurt, especially in the run game. It's hurt this defense. But still, overall, they are a complete team with a lot of weapons all over the field. Uh, They can make a run. Number two, the Green Bay Packers. Offensively, they're not the best team. They're outside the top 10 in terms of yards per game and points per game as well. But they got Aaron Rodgers. You have to have a lot of faith in that. And their defense is a lot better this year. Uh, Number six in terms of yards. uh, And then number seven, in points, so this defense has been great, greater than in years past. So combining that with Aaron Rodgers and that he can break a game open anytime he wants, 
best wide receiver in Devontae Adams. I mean, this just spells a deadly connection this time of year. But the number one team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. To me, the most lethal offense led by the GOAT, who is the MVP frontrunner, Tom Brady, uh, leader in pass attempts, yards, touchdowns, broke the completion of record as well. I mean, this guy has done it all. The Book of Brady is what it will be called one day because he will hold all the records. This offense uh, has been deadly. Top offense in terms of yards, in terms of points scored. Average 31 points a game. Only team to average over 30. I mean, this team is looking like the team to be. It's forming into that team that a lot of people pegged as can repeat. And me, I know I did. And there they are looking like it. So those are my top five teams in the NFL. The Los Angeles Rams, the New England Patriots, the Arizona Cardinals, the Green Bay Packers, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now moving on to NBA. Tonight, it looks like Steph Curry will break the record for, you know, three-point, most three-pointers made ever. He needs two to tie, three to pass Ray Allen, and I think he can do it tonight. Curry even said it's pretty uh, surreal to think about breaking it at Madison Square Garden, you know, the mecca right there of basketball. To do it there, I think, would be great. I think there'll be quite a few celebrities in attendance, too. Hopefully he gets some preferential treatment if he breaks it before halftime. I'd like to see a halftime tribute or something, because the greatest shooter of all time will be breaking that record tonight. It is surreal. It's amazing. That record will come to an end. And as I look back on it, he has revolutionized, you know, the game of basketball. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, every trash can shot that you'd make in class, you'd say Kobe. Now you go to the court, everybody's jacking up threes. Everybody shoots the three because everybody wants to shoot like Curry. They all want to shoot the 30-footer, the 35-footer. That's what everybody wants to do. And it's just the way he does it. It's beautiful. He's revolutionized the way of basketball. And it's so many people now coming up. The Trey Youngs, the Luka Doncic's, the high amount of threes that they take a game. That is what Steph Curry has done. Because of that, he'll break the record tonight. And I think also, they'll beat the New York Knicks tonight as well. I think it'll be a perfect storm tonight as the Knicks are on a big slide right now. But the Warriors win this game tonight. And then after that, you also have the Suns playing on a back-to-back. Yesterday, they lost to the Clippers. However, the Trailblazers have lost five in a row. A lot of turmoil there with you know Ben Simmons not trading Damian Lillard. What's going on? Well, what's going on is that the Portland Trailblazers stink. That's what they are. They can't win games as well. And they won't be winning this game tonight. I have the Suns winning. I know no Devin Booker is shorthanded. But I think the Suns can still 
a pull it out as they're one of the best teams in basketball. Which leads me to give you my top five teams in basketball. Now, I had a top five set yesterday, but then it changed because of some of the events that happened yesterday. That was mainly between two teams. But number five is the Milwaukee Bucks. They're sitting here right in the spot where they want to be a couple games back of number one in the East, led by Giannis, winners of seven out of their last ten, you know, playing great basketball, great defensively, great offensively, uh, led by none other than Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's done it all in basketball. Their MVP, Chris Middleton, back has been great for them as well, winning a lot of games uh, with him back. I mean, that just duo right there of Chris Middleton and Giannis isn't the most lethal or deadly we've ever seen, but it is efficient and it works. Number four, the Brooklyn Nets, the best team in the East. To me, front runner for MVP, Kevin Durant has been just spectacular. 29 points leading uh, the league in points. Could be the scoring champ again this year. That's how good he's been. James Harden slowly getting back into the swing of things. This team's also won seven of their past ten. Uh, defensively, they have been a lot better than they were last year. And that's helped out this team too. Number three, the Utah Jazz. On a seven-game winning streak, eight out of the past ten they've won and they have been great in doing it. Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, all of them have been balling out. This looks like the Utah Jazz that I watched last year that was number one on top of my rankings for so long. And here they are, you know, right in the mix. They are a clear-cut third-best team in the NBA, in the West, and is that bridge between the top two teams and the other teams in that conference. Which brings me to those teams, the Phoenix Suns. Now yesterday, I would have had the Suns at one, but today, I have them at two. That's because of their loss to the Clippers. Uh, that was a big loss to me, but offensively, they've been great. Defensively, again, great as well. Uh, this team, you know, without Devin Booker, can still win games. Monty Williams... Terrific coach. I got to tip my hat off to him. Uh, he's one of the best in the NBA. But the best team to me is still the Golden State Warriors. And what's crazy, you know, is still, you know, they have the best point differential barely. Utah's catching them. Offensively, they're good. Third best, not the best. But defensively, they are the best, to me, defensive team. They're able to switch all over Draymond Green Anchoring that defense, Steph Curry, MVP. I mean, they have a lot of things working uh, for them right now. So those are my top five teams in the NBA. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Brooklyn Nets, the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, and the Golden State Warriors. Now I'm just going to finish up some news. College football, preseason favorite to win the Heisman, Spencer Radler has transferred to South Carolina. Not expecting that, but former coordinator there, Shane Beamer, recruiting extraordinaire, got him to come to South Carolina. 
And I think what helped too, South Carolina was down early. They won a few big games end of the year too. You know, Florida, Auburn, to kind of turn the season around, earn a bowl spot, and now they get Spencer Rattler. Now with them, can they compete with the Georgia now? I think that's the next step, how much of a spot Florida has been taken back. And then you also have uh, in the, your division, you've got Kentucky who's turned it up. But you've got South Carolina who is kind of like the fourth best team in that division. Can they, with Spencer Radler, some more great additions by Shane Beamer working the transfer portal, can they be a legitimate threat in the SEC East? Georgia's the measuring stick in the SEC East. What can Spencer Radler, Shane Beamer, and that Gamecock team do? That'll be exciting to watch for this next football season. And then wrapping up with college men's basketball. This team, you know, this season has been crazy. You know, Baylor is the fourth, you know, number one in four weeks. Ones have gone down, UCLA, Purdue, Duke. It's now Baylor's turn. So my top five are the Gonzaga Bulldogs, just like the AP poll in order. I agree with it. The UCLA Bruins, the Purdue Boilermakers, the Duke Blue Devils, and Baylor at number one. They're 9-0, and one of a few teams left that are undefeated. But can they stay undefeated? They just had a great win against Villanova. And that was led by their defense. Held Villanova to 36 points. It was brilliant. Now they're going to play Oregon. At Oregon, it's tough. Their last tough non-conference game, Oregon, hasn't been as advertised. But you just never know in the game of college basketball. This season has been crazy. Baylor, you know, can they avoid another upset like we have seen so many so far this year. So that's it, folks. This has been Get Your Goat. Talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.